0: Breaking news. The Rock just uh, finally posted about Black Adam. What'd he say? My passionate fans, I wanted to give you a long-awaited Black Adam update regarding the character's future in the new DC universe. James Gunn and I connected, and Black Adam will not have their first chapter of storytelling. However, DC and Stephen Bucks have agreed to continue exploring the most valuable ways Black Adam can be utilized in future DC multiverse chapters. James and I have known each other for years and have always rooted for each other to succeed. It's no different now, and I will always root for DC and Marvel, in quotations, to win and win big. You guys know me. I have very thick skin. You can always count on me to be direct with my words. These decisions made by James and D.C. leadership represent their vision of D.C.E.U. Eh, this is bullshit.
1: Okay, well, he commented on it. Yeah. And it is weird with The Rock, because on one hand, he carefully curates his image. And on the other hand, he is very open about his flops and his mistakes. He seems like when you watch him in interviews that he truly is a humble guy. But he's got an ego because he's become one of the biggest stars in hollywood so yeah i mean once again that's just uh at least he's not hiding from it now so i don't know what that does you know whatever yeah Yeah, it looks like it's over i mean if black adam came out and it was a success i still think there's a chance that they don't move forward because this aquaman movie is coming off of a a movie that made a billion dollars. So that suggests people liked it and may want to go out and see the sequel. The sequel may make $800, $900 million. That's not moving forward. I just hate to see it.
0: I love Black Adam. It would
1: have been funny if he did a promo and just shit on James Gunn. Declared war. I think he needs to be more... You
0: pansy asses don't know DC like I do. I think he needs to bring some of that attitude out of rock into his main bit.
1: Into his bit, right. Into his image, right? Yeah, It'd be fun to just see him play characters that... Are like that, too.
0: Honestly, I could say, that like, the WWE, The Rock, is his best character. It's his best performance.
1: It really is. Yeah. He peaked. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Nerd Soup. I'm, I'm Bo Oliver, joined here today with Aaron, the Nerd Soup Monkey, and we are back to review Avatar, The Way of Water. Man, 13 years in the making. Look at that. It's going to take up most of this episode but we will also be taking some questions, we're going to be talking box office, we might talk about some trailers, depending on how long-winded we are. And I'm excited to be back here with you, Aaron, how's life? How are those Jets?
0: I don't want to talk Did about Did you it. guys win? I didn't... No. <laughs> Damn. I thought you guys were going to pull... I thought this was your year. I mean, Mike White, you know, broken ribs, you had to put Zach back in there. It's, it's fine. The Zach attack. No one
1: calls him that. No one calls him that? No. I thought Salah was hyping him up. He hypes everybody up. We need to get Salah here to just hype us up. He
0: probably could. That's what he does. He gets good performances out of people. Without Salah, Zach would be... I don't know where he would be.
1: He'd be sitting next to us. He'd be our new Teddy.
0: He would be a terrible
1: host on a podcast. Is he not well-spoken? Well, look, fuck that guy. let us You can listen to the podcast. <laughs> On YouTube, podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, all the good places. Follow us on social media at NerdSoup, at BoSoup, at Teddy TeddyNerdSoup, and at Nerd Soup Monkey.
0: <laughs> what? Uh,
1: I just thought you'd react to me saying Teddy first. Oh, no. Not crazy. only have I plugged Teddy, but I've replaced, I've put him in front of you.
0: Ah, very Black Adam of you. <laughs>
1: I'm an anti-hero.
0: Is it get exhausting always rooting for the anti-hero? And hero
1: uh avatar want to just get right into it i mean damn like i said we've been waiting for a long ass time yeah
0: it was uh
1: what 13 years right 13 years and i was one of those people who uh, i didn't have post avatar depression but i was obsessed with the world 13 years ago yeah at the time
0: it's been a rough almost over a decade for
1: you well (laughs) i did eventually get over it and at the time i was anticipating these sequels would come out depression Right, no, now it's just regular depression. That attributed to it, right? Probably drier, right? I feel oh.
0: like post-Avatar, in the way of water. Uh, yeah, keep going.
1: Well, you see Pandora and you realize, oh, I can never go there. I'm just stuck here with my regular depression. Yeah, that's an, another layer to it. You can download Pandora and listen to the Soup podcast on it. I never did a Pandora run. No? I hate the whole random selection, like uh, artificial DJ.
0: I enjoy it, actually. Right. Apple does that now.
1: Anyway. Um, yeah, 13 years in the making. I was really obsessed with this, so I- I've been patiently waiting. And a lot of people have. And a lot of people haven't. But I'm just finally excited to talk about it. Got a chance to watch it over the weekend. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to start? Should I start? I think we both really liked it, right? Yes, we did.
0: Um, would you give it on Letterboxd? Imagine I just
1: came on and I was like, it's terrible.
0: You didn't get... No, when we left, like, you seemed...
1: I was. Uh, you are still I actually can't get it out of my head. No, I gave it four out of five. That's so fair. I gave the original Avatar four and a half, but I, I always have some wiggle room. So I may revisit it one day and give it five stars. But
0: I, th- I think I like this better than the original Avatar. Um, I think both of them are, are just groundbreaking in terms of the the, the effects, the CGI. I mean, it, it was incredible what he was able to do and have that world feel so real and basically one up what he already did with Avatar. Because you watch Avatar now. I saw it a couple months ago in the theaters. It's still better than 98% in the 90s, I would say, of what we see on screen, these high-budget blockbusters. And for it to hold up that well, and then one-up that, and basically put something on screen that I don't think we've ever seen anything that crisp, that detailed, that flawless before to this magnitude. Because everything in that movie is CGI. So, I mean, everyone loves to—and obviously James Cameron, he's the director— but, I mean, the VFX people, the time, the m- amount of money put into it, the effort, it, it-, it is all very apparent on screen. Um, and, you know, like I said, he's not in there actually making these little images, but he's overseeing it all, so he just has that vision that, it- it- that created something that, I don't know, was just magnificent to watch. From every detail, the characters, the environment, the water. I think the underwater stuff was probably some of the most beautiful things I've seen on screen. It really was that good. And just the way some of the drips, the sweat, it was just so, the attention to detail was just so apparent. So I think even if you get out of this movie and have problems with the story, which I think are very fair, I think at the very least you can respect it as just a visual masterpiece.
1: Yeah, the VFX company that he works with, uh, Weta, is owned by Peter Jackson, so... They've worked on several big blockbusters over the years. They've got a good track record.
0: Other movies that still hold up? Lord of the Rings, very right. well.
1: Yeah, and I think it is just uh, a matter of attention to detail, but also putting in the necessary time. I always talk about that when animation, CGI, VFX, time makes the difference. When you say you want to make a sequel in 2013, but then realize right. the technology is not to the point that it needs to be, and you put in that necessary work and the time, that's why you get movies that are groundbreaking, like the first Avatar and the second one.
0: Well, yeah, I think it goes to show that just time and money really is what, like, this is available, but... One,
1: it costs money to do it.
0: (laughs) And who are you going to trust with all like very few directors warrant studios to be like, here is $350 million so we can put your vision on screen.
1: Yeah. Even him talking about the cut for, well, he said he submitted a nine hour cut for Avatar three and he wants to do all the VFX before they edit it down. But then he mentioned that he submitted a script for Avatar 4, and then he got no notes from the studio, that they were just mind-blowing. He's a hilarious man. Uh, and you have to take the good with the bad Depending with on. James Cameron. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's funny from the outside looking in, because he's such a typical old white guy, and he's got some of these beliefs, and he says things that sometimes are out of pocket or offensive, and even the criticisms of the original story, that it is a white savior story. It's probably the most saviorist of all the savior stories he literally becomes one but then you can argue hey he gave up his
0: well he took like three other life. white savior movies and put them together and was like <laughs> yeah right this is mine
1: <laughs> and that's the other part the other you know the obvious influences the film influences or historical influences but i think that there's a it's like a problematic sincerity even though it is sort of cliche and predictable at times i'm so bought in and not everybody is but i am so when we go back to Pandora, we're flying around, we're seeing the floating mountains, and this time there's just so much more to feast on visually. And he is a visual, technical master. Those things come second. Plot, uh, really just plot, comes second to the visuals. He yeah. drives, the story is driven by what he wants to show you, what he wants to explore, what interests him. And he's so damn good at it.
0: No, and I think with even with the high frame rate shots, like it was just so smooth. I don't, I don't think there's ever been a movie this immersive. Yes. Um, at times, it's funny because you hear like with Scorsese, oh, they're theme park rides. At times, it felt like I was. And I had a fucking Disney ro- But I think it's designed that ride. way intentionally. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, it's like you're a video game character. Right. You literally are an avatar. I think it's in the name. But, it's about immersing people in that experience. Anyone could be Jake Sully. But it looks so real. I think so that's real. why he's so bland. Yeah, but yeah, the world looks incredibly real. Yeah, Jake Sully, man.
0: What a, what a guy. What a person to be ahead of the, this massive, massive, massive franchise. He's literally
1: just a guy from Ohio. A guy from wisconsin at the head of a an ancient alien civilization <laughs> but i thought he was a a better character in this one no, even I, though he's got more of an arc in the first movie i liked his role as the dad
0: well i like how they took a yeah they they gave him an atari basically they were still very prominent but a step back focus on the kids focus on the environment focus on this new tribe on this new culture this new way the way of water. Really. There you go. I mean, the whole second act was just hanging out with these, with these, uh, these people in this, in this village, and I was just on board of everything. Every new thing I learned about it, everything, every new thing I saw, um, every new way they kind of explored this world in the water, and with it was just I was on the edge of my seat. I wanted more, and it, that's. I think that's what this movie did really good. Uh, did really well was that it. It expanded the lore enough for me to actually care about this world. Which, in the first one, it was very much, here's the world, and let's just kind of get into it here. We'll explain everything. Here, you kind of just, you saw everything. And it wasn't something where it was told. You kind of just experienced it through their actions and the way they lived. Even things like, you know, the names are going to be tough for me to remember.
1: I just said to myself, I'm going to call them oldest son, younger son. The one I'm thinking about is
0: uh, Kiri.
1: Kiri, yeah, with her weird Sigourney Weaver voice, (laughs) which I loved.
0: (laughs) It's still wild that you just cast Sigourney Weaver as a teenage Navi. But, like, even the stuff with her, I found so fascinating because she seems to be, like, a potential, like, quote-unquote, like, chosen one in this world. She's
1: literally Jesus.
0: We really didn't get much into it, but, like, that's been in the back of my head all, like, this time. It's like, what's her deal? And even watching it, I'm like, wait. So they still have to wrap. I'm like, wait, no, no they have to wrap this up because there's going to be they're setting us up for the whole story. And right, I thought that yeah. was really cool.
1: Yeah, when he talks about the third one, I mean, already jumping ahead, that they're going to introduce natives that are a fire tribe, and then they're not necessarily going to be good guys. Right. So
0: they're gonna have. It's a yeah, It's literally be avatar, avatar, the right. last
1: airbender. Because they would be the forest, so that's sort of like the earth. Mm-hmm. And then now you have the sea people, then you're going to have a fire tribe. I would love for them if they did an air tribe that lives in those mountains or something like that. You but know, yeah. they're more in tune with the sky, shit like that. Uh, Yeah, but yeah, with Kiri, and that was something people had fun with, that the avatar who was initially a human had the chosen one baby. (laughs) So that's an idea in James Cameron's head. Oh, that's genius, but... He doesn't think about how people may receive that. But I thought that her character was fascinating, and he did a good job juggling and balancing these new characters and fleshing out their mini arcs like you had with the second son trying to prove himself. Once again, it's something we've seen before, but I was invested in it because of the world building, because of how vivid and detailed the visuals were, and because of how interested I was in this new culture. It's Once again, it's like the first movie. Those characters are there for you to imagine yourself in that situation that's what you did with jake sully now you're doing it with the kids i swear to god it popped into my mind as soon as they wanted to escape from the mountains why aren't there other uh, navi with different skin colors different physical qualities and then all of a sudden this new pops up and i guess i didn't notice it in the trailer but I loved all that. I thought that was really good world building. And like it it adds a new wrinkle to this world and a new culture. And like I said, new physical attributes that they have, that their tails are stronger and their bodies are more suited to the ocean and the aquatic creatures. You know, obviously we're going to get into spoilers here. So that one whale, the outcast whale, he was a star of the show. And that one shot of when the second son, I think his name is Loak, touches his fin Mm -hmm. and he pulls back and it's from underwater. Beautiful. Yeah. That's an image that will always just fill me with so much awe because of no, how
0: real it looked. Everything underwater was spectacular. I mean, compared to anything we else we've seen underwater, I don't think...
1: Yeah, poor Wakanda forever. I, I like what Aquaman. they set up with that movie. Yeah, Aquaman too. But once again, that takes time. And he wanted to put this movie out in 2013, but he said the technology wasn't there. It's there now. Mm. And that's why it's going to be Avatar 3, 4, and 5, hopefully in such rapid succession, you can't talk about it enough. How good those visuals are, and also, who does epic action better than James Cameron? How many movies now on his resume? Ter- both the Terminators, Aliens, Aliens, yeah. uh, literally uh, Titanic. You can even throw in like uh, it's got action horror vibes as well. Well, he just combined his two
0: movies in the third act. Yeah, it's like I'm gonna run back Avatar and Titanic, and it was amazing.
1: It really was just Avatar there at the end, but that was that third act was incredible. Just them trying to save their kids. The action, like I said, I can watch the Navi throw spears through jet windshields all day. It is Yo, so satisfying. When
0: Atari is like,
1: she's got some sick moves. When, when in this she's one.
0: going like, when she's like in crazy mom mode, it, it was just so fun to watch.
1: That's another thing that he loves. He loves making Zoe Saldana cry. Yeah, and Zoe Saldana cry. <laughs> She's good
0: at that. Yeah. Speaking of her, like, it's hard to, like, gauge performances in these movies, especially with um, the lack of human characters, except for Spider, spider. which fucking sucks.
1: I'm a big Spider guy. I'm going to take the opposite approach. Actually, somebody said Spider should host SNL.
0: I wouldn't hate that, actually. Um, But I've seen. I've seen people actually t- saying how impressive it was having Spider be so immersed in that world, like a human character with the...
1: You look back at the first one, sorry to cut you off, and the humans do sometimes look off yeah. in Pandora. That was seamless. Mm-hmm. That was such an incredible job they did.
0: Um, but like, when you talk about acting, you know, obviously the great out, like the Andy Circuses as Gollum and know, Caesar, um, but even her in the first movie, fantastic. Like yeah. She's like... With these two movies, I think she's been the standout performance-wise in both of them. Like it's hard not to put her up there as like one of the better motion capture actors. You know, it's a different type of acting, but at the end of the day, that's still her emotion. That's still she's still able to bring that out in her voice. So, um, and her the movements as well. Um, so yeah, another standout. Because like with Jake, really, like he's just a he's just a guy. Yeah. Even in his acting, he's just there. You don't need him to do anything spectacular. And just I, a good dad. He's yeah.
1: sort of like Ned Stark, but somehow less personality, which is hilarious. But I thought <laughs> I think they he gave him a s- little more in this one. He did, like the line when his kids get into a fight and he pulls the older one aside and he says, "How do the other kids look?" They look worse. And I appreciate that about his writing, too. You're a Sully. You're, I'm literally like a Navi in a foreign parent, like planet. My last name is not Sully. Are they imagine they made that connection? What? They're related to the Sully? They're descendants? the the pilot the pilot yeah that's why he's so naturally gifted at flying around those things oh wow that's a uh,
0: yeah your great great grandfather but I-,
1: I saw somebody make this point on Letterbox that there's no winking at the audience it's all very sincere there's uh, you know he's never making fun of how ridiculous the world is because he loves these characters mm-hmm. he loves this world that he's created and of course it's his project. But I think he truly does care about getting the most out of these character dynamics, even though that some of them can be cliche and we've seen it before. Like I said, it's just the commitment to the characters. It's the commitment to the story of knowing when to interject some comedy, but like I said, never cheapening uh, the experience that we're having. Yeah, And that's not to say that blockbusters can't do that, but it's old school. It feels like a Saturday morning cartoon, sort of like those original Star Wars movies. They're pulpy. They're epic. It's more based around visuals and simple themes, but they well, can be impactful.
0: I mean, James Cameron's always been a little goofy. I mean, like his screenwriting hasn't progressed since like, or like his vernacular he uses since like Aliens. Which, which like, I like, though. No way, I like man, the, that yeah guy. right? And yeah, ha- that's, there's a lot of that in these movies, especially the, the character. Of Spider guy, feels the, the, like the get a character, some guy. yeah. Right. Or even everyone like using "bro" and like, don't worry about it, cause
1: <laughs> he's stuck in the past yeah. in that way. So <laughs> it gives his movies this sort of retro feel, which is hilarious because visually they're pushing everything forward, but the dialogue hasn't moved forward since 1981. Yeah. Even the character of Spider, he feels, you know, in James Cameron's mind, oh, we'll cast this. Like they're, gonna still, they're still going to say bro, right? In a hundred years. Yeah, in the future, in the far future, they'll know what that means on Pandora. People still
0: use it now. Right.
1: That's how language works, right? <gasps> no, they'd be all speaking some sort of pigeon. But there is a campiness to it. and which That's I, what Spider yeah. is. Spider's like a campy little ridiculous monkey man. You know? <laughs> he literally is. He's Donnie from the Wild Thornberries running yeah. around. Um, I was like, "Yo, give Spider a body, man!" Like to kill or to no, an avatar body. Oh, he's putting the work. Like so to kill or someone have sex with him? What language. body is he talking about? Well, he's he's got eyes for Kiri. How does that work? <laughs> Probably works how it all always works.
0: <laughs> no, not without they use their hair.
1: I think the hair is it adds to it. Put it on. Uh, yeah, I think oop. it just. It's like that episode of Black Mary. You ever saw that where the doctors got the feeling machine? No. And then he starts using it for sex. So he can feel the other person's orgasm as well as his own. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Black Mirror in the beginning was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Now it's just fucking people on video games. That's Black Mirror. But even the relationship between Kiri and Spider, I thought was effective. Yeah. I, 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 I be- It was believable to me. I as were most of the relationships between the kids. And I liked how they were this tight group. There was some drama, obviously some tension, the the sibling tension that you always see. But even Took, I thought Took was a cute little character just running around with the big kids, right? Yeah, like when she hissed. Okay, yeah, yeah, like, oh, she thinks she's intimidating no, them. No,
0: story-wise, like, it didn't have to be anything, because obviously the star of the show is Pandora. I think it was a f- it did just enough and effective, and a lot of those relationships did work, and it created just enough sincerity and connection to these characters to allow you to immerse yourself within the rest of the environment, which I think that's all it really needed to do. Um, like it's like nothing groundbreaking in like a story sense. Um, and everyone talks about the first one being very derivative and this one maybe less so because we're already comfortable and this world's already established that it's like, all right, we don't really have to make those connections anymore to other stories because we know what the story is at this point. Um, but I think they added a nice little wrinkles with like, like the world building different, uh, basically private contractors there. Harpooning the whales, like added some more. Okay, it's just not a military presence or a science. Pre- like, well, I guess there are scientists, but there's private interest in Pandora, and I guess it's more accessible and more uh known to the the home world than maybe we would have believed in the first one. Just thinking, like it's a new discovery where it just seems to be other establishments. The sea people speaking English it leads me to believe they've had contact with Earthlings and things of that nature. Thank God, because I, you know. Don't want to read subtitles for three hours, you know. But, uh...
1: and he really gets you to care about the most ridiculous things. These whale creatures. You also see it coming a mile away. They establish that they're intelligent, that they have emotion, that they have art. Another crazy idea in James Cameron's head. His appreciation for nature. I think it's it's awesome to see it on the big screen. And then when the whales get harpooned, you hate those motherfuckers. So they're trying to steal their brain goo because it de-ages people back on earth
0: really yeah, not like the other guy the good scientist <laughs> yeah, he was thought, goofy
1: i thought he was gonna do something he was gonna have his moment to side with the good guys and he just gets killed <laughs> so oh, that's so uh, what do you say uh, jermaine clement people were wondering not because, smarter than you now
0: huh or something like that like little goofy shit like that
1: yeah kate winslet's character having a full-blown conversation with this whale, even the second son, the relationship that he forms, and it's just awesome. Stole <laughs> that from Pinocchio. Yeah, and the Bible. Hmm. You see Pinocchio? The new one? Yeah.
0: Little guy's a menace, I would have chopped him up for firewood.
1: <laughs> oh my god. Even the fucking fascist uh, respected his right to life. Oh yeah,
0: it's a negative on me, disagreeing with fascist dickheads. Okay. Uh, Stephen Lang. Kirich, I think his character is.
1: Yeah, I just learned that for the first time watching this movie. He, I didn't know he had a name. Well, he's
0: another one. He's very much your 80s bad guy in the first one. Here, I kind of, you know, was it a little like, oh, he's the father of this... We're not
1: in Kansas anymore.
0: ...of this feral human that's been left on Pandora? Sure, but, like, I think that added some depth to that character.
1: Uh, you can argue he had the best performance out of all of these characters. Uh, Actors, And even in the first one, he's a a very underrated villain. We don't talk about him enough. Just how much of an unlikable douche he is in that first movie, (laughs) but he's also awesome.
0: Just a huge asshole.
1: Yeah, he's just a jacked military guy walking around in in his mech. And the things that he does, the things that James Cameron has him do in the first movie are awesome. And then in this one, when he crushes the former skull of his human body, it's such a throwback, goofy thing to do. But it's also awesome.
0: Yeah, like... I don't know, the humanity kind of showing through him when he sees his kids, right. stuff like that. Because the whole movie, and even last movie...
1: You get another side to
0: him. He here. treats the Navi, they're animals to him. He doesn't he kills the Navi, that doesn't matter to them because they're not human. It's very much, you know, representative of a lot of things in the real world. Whether it be, you know, I think the most apparent one just being, like, like the Native Americans and stuff like that. Kind of, that's he's the stand-in for that type of person who really doesn't see them as people. Uh, maybe you might call them, like, they're just savages, and we can kill them, destroy their homes, and he's not going to feel anything towards it. Um, and that's just a very hateable prototype of a character. But I think what they added with him with the son was you you did see a different side of him. Um, not that it, like, redeems him in any way or makes him, like, a good guy, but in his own... Villainry, like he still has some attachment to something that's other than himself.
1: Right, yeah, it's Which, the classic, yeah. he's starting to, he, he can see someone who's related to him, accept these people, understand their culture, have that sort of respect for them, and still he is the villain. So it adds this element of maybe he'll come over to the good side, right? And then he still does bad things. I don't know where the character is headed in future movies. If we're to believe James Cameron, it looks like some of the natives may be the antagonists for the next movie i don't know where that puts his character there's a lot obviously he's done a lot of bad things he destroyed their big tree and maybe hard for niteri to ever forgive him but maybe he'll have a redemption a moment bigger
0: jaws and avatar we have to team up to take down this even bigger threat
1: yeah and can't you not wait for that that sounds awesome <laughs> this
0: other planet that has
1: anu- well, double what's the, unobtainium the, the planet behind them is also pretty big
0: yeah what's going on there
1: right <laughs> And I was really impressed with just Lang's presence in this movie, his charisma, his gravitas as the villain. Once again, it's it's another thing that they're doing that they did in the first movie, but there's an interesting spin on it. Leave it behind your memories, you know, this identity crisis that he's having, being this new person in this Avatar body, but having this past life. So, And the connections with Spider and the things that they learn from each other, it makes him a more compelling antagonist. And uh, I thought he was just as good in this one as he was in the first one.
0: What was, like... I might have missed this, but why were they going after Jake? Was it just a revenge?
1: Like, well, I guess... Because
0: mil- A.D. Falco comes in, and she's the general. Like, all right, this is how things are running here. Like, we got a little up to... Catch the audience up a little bit. But, like, isn't their main goal to get the on unobtain- unobtainium? Or is it, like... I guess this or this new.
1: No, their new goal is colonize the planet. Okay. Take over the planet. Yeah, they mentioned that Earth is dying. Yeah. Um. Oh, I did, I did
0: think we were gonna get um. uh What do they call it? it? Happens in every movie. Literally every movie ever made. Little Woman. Um. No, not Little Woman. And Superman when he comes and Geo. Change the atmosphere. The world.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terraform. Terraform. Planet. Terraform.
0: Yeah. I thought they were gonna do that, but they didn't that's probably next up yeah yeah probably i think they did
1: mention some things that they need to do to make it a new earth but But that seems to be the end goal but i I think that's just weak writing there was it
0: just a personal vendetta for him to get jake yeah and
1: this idea that he's leading the army Mm -hmm. the guerrilla campaign so if we take him out it severely weakens their position but the idea of him going into hiding and then leaving behind the other guy in charge. Doesn't the war continue? That's what I was confused about. Wouldn't they still be at war with the people that are in the mountains? It's like, oh, Jake left, so we don't have to worry about this army that he was in command of because they're not going to do anything anymore. But from it's, you know, from Jake's perspective, it's like, yo, you can run away, but they're still trying to colonize the entire planet. So I think that there was weak writing there that he just wanted to give uh, the characters an excuse to seek refuge with a new culture, the Reef Clan. And I think that's... It could have been handled better. There could have been a better way to push is, You know, maybe they need help. Yeah. They just go to the Reef Clan, like, realize, okay, we can't win without uniting all the clans. This is good to be the first clan we go to. But it felt like James Cameron would have made them see people to begin with if he could have if the technology was there because even at the end of the movie when they try to leave and cliff curtis's chief character who i thought he was great too tells them no this is your home you can stay here now so that's going to be their base of operations right they're going to be with the war the reef clan
0: just fucking bounce on the forest people
1: (laughs) i know right yeah that's why uh, (laughs) not the strongest of came in with the
0: big dragon it's like i'm your i'm your captain now
1: I thought we were going to see no, the big guy. I. Phillips.
0: I was going to say it's a Sully tradition. Um, well. It's like, I'm your leader. I'm Taruk. T- 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 Makto. Makto.
1: Peace. Here's my nerdy friend. I thought we were going to see the big dragon. Hang out with these two nerds. <laughs> he left Norm in charge. <laughs> what, you don't like Norm? <laughs> no, but there's just a couple nerds, a couple science, science bitches. Oh, my God. <laughs> So, that those Albert Einstein and Oppenheimer, huh? In the trailer? Yeah, that was... I was a little confused by that, but it was. I was happy to see Eddie Falco, and people have had fun with her recent comments, saying that she shot it four years ago, thought it came out, and didn't do well. That's why she hadn't heard about it. But I imagine her shoot, she doesn't have much screen time, was a month, maybe a month or two. She was weird, because like, she
0: seemed like a pleasant enough person, then she's torturing this kid. She's <laughs> going like, hey,
1: hey, She's you all doing? business. Yeah. She's like Deidre and Andor. It's all about efficiency. She was straight up torturing that poor kid. <laughs> yeah, and she's there to be not the antagonist of Stephen Lang's story, but give him some, you know, he tells Spider, you stick with me, you give me answers, and I'll keep you away from the mean lady from Sopranos. He good copped it. And Spider's like, I like Sopranos. Uh, yeah, no, he, right, exactly. Classic bad cop, good cop, and he gets the opportunity to connect with his son. Uh, I did enjoy when he tries to get his own flying creature and he's going to tranquilize, uh, tr- just hit it with a trank. Yeah. I can't pronounce that word. Um, and Tranquilizer? he's like, Yeah. <laughs> he's like, Sully did it the hard way. It's like, What do you think? I love how that's become lore, too, because Spider wasn't there. Just heard the stories from the kids, right? Yeah. I and mean, then they all get those flying things. Yeah. So he, it's a triumphant moment for someone you were rooting against in the last movie. And now you're almost happy for him.
0: I think, like, the banshee scene from the first one is my favorite. And I don't think, I think it still holds up as like one of the better scenes or just visual moments from both of these movies, but they kind of had that with the, the sea banshees. I don't right. remember their names. And I think those moments were cool. Just the way they flowed through the ocean. Everything just flowed so well.
1: And the tail wagging the tail, you know, to skim on the
0: ocean. And nothing looked at, like it, it just, I felt like it was real.
1: Yeah. It's part epic action blockbuster part fictional nature documentary. Yeah. I just wanted to huh. sit back and maybe put on some rela- uh, Richard Attenborough. All of a sudden, you hear his voice.
0: Yeah, like that's why I didn't hate those parts because I just thought they were just
1: gorgeous to look at. <laughs> yeah, they were. And the music's still there. It's still good. Obviously, you're hearing some of James Horner's um, score. I'm not sure who did the music for he this worked.
0: One. He worked with them in the first one, but I believe he worked in the first movie, but now he has the whole... He took over as the composer.
1: Yeah, a guy named Simon Franklin. Yeah, man, I mean, just the visuals. I can't wait to go see it again. It's uh, one of those
0: I, I think I have to see in a theater again. Because it's just... Even watching... Cause I watched Avatar twice leading up to this. One in IMAX and one uh, like a week ago. Just a quick refresher. It still looks great on TV, but it's, it's not even close when it comes to just an experience. And I think this is like one of the better theater experiences you could hope for. I mean... This year, if you put, like, Top Gun Maverick, everyone's just saying how how different that was in a theater experience with the noise, and it felt like a movie that you have to go to the movies to see. Um, That's what this is as well. And I think as long as it's playing in theaters, like, try to see it as much, because you never know when it's going to be back. Uh, Maybe before the third one, they'll do, like, a quick re-release, but... I think it's uh, it's one of the only experiences. It, the best way to experience this movie is in a the theater. And I think the best thing he's done is uh, make me interested in like anticipating three, four, five, six, seven, eight,
1: nine. He's saying he wants to do seven, but I'm really looking forward to what he said about Avatar three, and that was uh, in an interview recently with a French magazine. But what else is he cooking up because he just put in a, a 9 hour cut what's <sighs> this motherfucker cooking and let this man cook like he said disney didn't give him any notes uh you have to imagine that they're going to get better because this f- very much did feel like a a middle chapter we're we, i want to set up this reef clan and we're gearing up for some big ideas that are going to be that are going to play out in the future like the character of kiri having this connection with Awa and being able to control certain things and feel certain things and uh and also the the second son character I'm looking forward to how he evolves does he try and become a bit more responsible like his older brother and uh you know we didn't even mention that death that was sad and you sort no, of was, see yeah. it coming that one of the somebody's going to die I thought Jake was a goner at times I thought maybe Jake would die and that's tough and I thought the emotional note that it ended on when he connects to the ancestors and he once again has that moment of teaching his son how to fish I teared up because it was sentimental and you, you've you only spent in uh, one movie with these characters but once again it's father and son it's a family and that was the emphasis that, <laughs> with this movie it's all about I thought Vin Diesel actually had a role in this but maybe in the sequels no he did did he? yeah he was one of the whales that's so funny is that true?
0: <laughs> not
1: oh I don't know maybe he did the <laughs> he does the Groot he does do the Groot <laughs> same company that was the big story I remember he was on set one day and everyone's like Vin? Vin in Pandora?
0: He, he would fit perfectly as a dickhead military guy.
1: Sure, but I would want him to be, I want him to lead the fire clan. I want him to do oh, yeah, the, that's better. Yeah. With that voice. And then you get the rock as a, the,
0: the rock clan. Earth clan. The rock clan
1: all right well like i George
0: just writes to themselves sometimes man
1: yeah i don't know if it's a movie we'll maybe do another recording for because i know marissa did see it so maybe we'll get her on for a spoiler discussion podcast maybe next week because she's no, back home
0: there is a lot to dive into even just trying to wrap it up now like there's still some things i would i could talk about and just discuss but i think overall like it's it's i think it was but i think overall like It's exactly what I wanted from, like, an Avatar sequel. All
1: right, before we get into some trailers, that's going to be the next topic on this podcast, talking Oppenheimer and Barbie. I want to give a quick shout out to one of our sponsors for today's episode, and that would be ExpressVPN. Now, as someone who is frequently on the internet, whether for work or social activity, I don't want people knowing which websites and what things I'm searching up. A lot of people out there will tell you, hey, Bo, why don't you just use incognito mode? Well, incognito mode is good for hiding your browser. History, but not necessarily your internet activity. Whenever you sign into an internet service provider, whenever you connect to their network, all of your information is public. Not only that, but internet service providers can legally sell your information to ad companies. I don't like that. Data tracking, trying to manipulate me into buying things. That's where ExpressVPN comes in. With ExpressVPN, you will have a wall of protection behind some of the best encryption available on the market to keep all of your information secure. So it's not only the websites or the things that you're searching up, but sensitive information like private passwords, banking info, your ISP address. All of that will be secure and hidden. Most of the time, you won't even realize that ExpressVPN is on. It runs seamlessly in the background, doesn't make any noise, just doing its job, protecting your information. One tap of the button and you're protected. It's that easy. And it also works for all of your devices, phones, computers, smart TV. Maybe you have a smart fridge that you're trying to protect. I'm sure it works for that. Actually, I'm not entirely sure. But there's no excuse for you not to be using it. It's a simple app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so that all of your information cannot be viewed by any outside people, hackers, uh, government spies... Whatever, ExpressVPN is going to keep you safe. So, protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by Business Insider. Visit our exclusive link, expressvpn.com nerdsoup, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash nerdsoup, and visit expressvpn.com nerdsoup to learn more. I know you're a big VPN guy, Aaron. Yeah, I am. Have you been using the account they sent you? They actually sent you an account.
0: Oh, no. You don't tell me these things. Why do well, you always get to keep everything?
1: They emailed you. They sent it to both of us. Oh. Because I know you visit. You frequent some shady websites. I know you want your privacy, so.
0: Yeah, I just bought a dragon the other day.
1: A dragon? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. Out the black no, market. not real.
0: No, they said it was authenticated. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a weird-ass dragon. It's just a dog with wings taped on it. No, it's a real dragon. No, no, it's real. Trust me. Oh my God, it's a dog with wings taped on it. <laughs> all right, let's move on here. We got these... Well, we didn't get the Barbie trailer in front of Avatar, but we did get Oppenheimer. So this is the big matchup. I think they're coming out the same weekend, same day, right? July Ooh, 21st?
0: New segment. Things I hate this week. The tickets to Barbie meme. <sighs> First of all, that was a meme when the movie got released. Now they're just re- they're repeating it. Same thing. Same, same images. Same thing. It was maybe funny the first two times, and just the past four days, that's all I've seen. Not a, not everyone has to make that, that joke or that meme.
1: I actually have one sitting in the draft. Yeah.
0: Well, what is it?
1: Oh, wait, what was mine? Oh, no, I did the... It was the cast of House of the Dragon. Mm-hmm. It was like seven tickets to Avatar 2, please. Did you tweet No, that? seven tickets to the Avatar re-release. Did you tweet that? Yes. Hmm. Months ago.
0: That's good. I like that. But Thanks. now it's just everything. Every picture. It's just a picture of people. It's like three mo- three, three tickets to Barbie just like walton jesse
1: i did see one it was like fidel castro jake of and a few of their you know associates and it was four tickets to party. it made me laugh because it's just like why is fidel castro and jake of going to see barbie
0: that's the joke yeah <laughs> um
1: no i get it everyone because everyone can hop on it you know you can it takes no creativity a couple of
0: them been funny but it's just like the sopranos beam account just sopranos Tickets to Barbie,
1: please. Well, they do that Breaking
0: Bad meme account. Breaking Bad people. Tickets to Barbie, please. House of the Dragon meme account. Just House of the Dragon
1: people. Tickets to Barbie, please. (laughs) You know, the Barbie producers love it.
0: Oh, it's great marketing for them, but I don't think anyone's going to... Most of the people making memes probably aren't even going to see it anyway. Damn.
1: I think you're underestimating those people who run those accounts. You're saying Alt-Shift-X is not going to be first in line for Barbie? I think he made a Barbie meme you're saying one? alt shift you're gonna you're gonna say that on this podcast oh. I don't think he made a meme no, yeah. <laughs> no I would never do that
0: I love Barbie it's a good trailer are we what are we doing Barbie and our partner? yeah
1: well we'll do Barbie first uh, I think what I like most about this trailer is that it it was definitely created just to be a trailer and we don't get that enough in Hollywood yeah where it's a true teaser where none of this is going to be in the actual movie I don't think that this is how the movie is going to start it's a fun homage to 2001 uh it made me laugh just seeing marco robbie as a giant instead of the monolith and uh it looks fun you know once again it's a short teaser and those are the best Get the glimpse of ryan goslin as ken the glimpse of simu as simu and uh he's a ken i think he is a ken yeah right Okay. I think yeah, those could be are different. going to be in it, right? Or... That's probably going to be those in it. Those clips will probably be in it.
0: Yeah. yeah, the monolith, that was yeah, that was funny. Um, do you think if it was actually a tall Margot Robbie that the chimps saw, how different the world would be?
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. Does she provide them with any wisdom or does she help the leap forward? I, I think so. I mean, what if they just mauled her to death? <laughs> Cuz you can't maul a monolith to death. You punch her you break your hand. Ah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, I think it would just be it would just be better. You think so? Yeah. Society I think so. of that—that's the meme.
0: I think I think the chimps would have been like, "Oh, damn! We, we better we better become humans."
1: <laughs> you know, the female chimps are like, "Well, I'm not pretty." <laughs> I will. Oh, you want me to look like her? Couple couple thousand years, maybe.
0: And they all just get divorced, and humans never start. Arguably,
1: better. better. Yeah, the planet's like, yeah. yeah, that would have been so much better. Um, yeah, fun little trailer though.
0: No, I liked it. I mean, obviously, we don't really know too much about plot or anything like that going forward. But yeah, I think that's just an inter- That's just a, a clever, interesting way to promote your Barbie movie is to start it. Uh, to parody one of the greatest movies of all time. And it's just something you wouldn't think about. Like, oh, the new Barbie movie. 2001? Like, why? <laughs> like, that, that would just... Yeah. Wouldn't make... I would never make that connection, but the fact that it is, like, Greta Gar- uh, Gerwig, Noah Baumbach, two very established filmmakers, kind of showing people, like, hey, like, our movie's gonna be, like, fun and goofy, but, like, you know, we kind of... It's maybe a little bit more mature. And I'm not expecting this to be, like, an R-rated Barbie movie, but... Uh, not like uh, total things catered to uh, maybe kids or non-film fans
1: right I'm expecting it to be like a kids movie in the 90s where you look back on it and think maybe that shouldn't have should have been rated Mm PG-13 where they're going to push the envelope of PG humor of what they can actually get away with and I think it's just going to be uh, excuse me I had had something going on there Mm -hmm. I think it's just going to be a good movie because they are <laughs> Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach. They know how to make good movies. I'm just glad it's not your run-of-the-mill company man directing this. Uh, you know, It's been in production. A Barbie movie has been in production, you can imagine, for decades. Uh, so they finally, finally got two people who are established who know what they're doing to bring this to life. And I think it's got a chance to be one of the best movies of next year.
0: Well, I think it's interesting, like, just the fact that Like, from a studio perspective, you feel like they just gave them the reins, regret of the reins, really, to do what they wanted, no interference. Because if I'm a studio and I want to make the most money off of a Barbie movie, my first promotion is going to be, hey, this is Barbie. You know Barbie from Barbie? This is Barbie. Get your kids, your daughter, like, I want to make a trailer that's going to make every child in this country or all over the world beg their parents to go take them to see this movie because that's going to make the most movie, a lot of money for them. But it w- that wasn't the promotion or trailer at all. The teaser catered to people on film Twitter that would be like, oh, yeah. I get
1: that reference. Right. Which is cool. And I think that even if you don't understand the homage, you get the point. Mm-hmm. Barbie is one of the most, probably the most iconic toy. And I think it is kind of cool how they're taking the avenue of multiple Barbies, multiple Kens, because that's what really reestablished Barbie uh, as a, a global icon, is when CEO Tom Kalinske came in and said, How are we going to revitalize this? Toy is we're going to make Barbie for everyone. Literally, we're going to have all these different types of Barbies, different races of Barbies, different places in the world, different beach jobs. House Barbie. Beach house Barbie, yeah. uh, pilot Barbie. Yeah, that's a good one. What, what's that really tough Chef job? Barbie. Chef Barbie, right? Uh, lineman Barbie. Lineman? Yeah, installing your fiber optic. Oh, Barbie can do it. Offensive tackle. Why not? <laughs> no, Barbie's more of a free safety. Let her roam.
0: The Barbie put- protecting Patrick Mahomes blind blindside. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hope they. I hope Kalinske does get a shout out because he's, he's just such an influential man with Barbie and then with Sega, and he seems like a guy that really enjoyed the stories behind the products that he was putting out. And now we get the first Barbie movie, and I think it's going to, I think it's going to be very really good because you do have two of the best storytellers working in Hollywood today. So, yeah, good teaser. Uh, Oppenheimer, <laughs> I, I absolutely love this trailer. And I think that. Funny meme, bunch of Barbies, four tickets to Oppenheimer, please. Oh, right, right, yeah. Now you're going to do that right give, give now. All of a sudden, give it's me a okay. Second. Yeah. Uh, great trailer. Killian Murphy, just the opening, the narration about Oppenheimer. He's a womanizer and he's addicted to gambling. No, they didn't say that, but he's a. Complicated man.
0: That was a different trailer than the one that was released online, right? Because the one I'm online, I'm not
1: entirely sure.
0: Yeah, the one online, there was no Matt oh, Damon.
1: There was no Matt Damon. Yeah. Was the Matt Damon in the theater? One? Yeah. Who was he? He wasn't Albert Einstein, right?
0: No, he's Matt Damon.
1: Okay, I saw. I remember Josh Peck. Really? Yeah, I saw Josh Peck in the theater trailer. Maybe you're mixing them up. Maybe Matt Damon was on the online trailer. No. The theater trailer did both of them end with Robert Downey Jr. Yes. Okay. That was awesome, too.
0: (laughs) I I believe there were different trailers. I know him. I think the IMAX trailer was different. But regardless, um, yeah, I mean, like with, I guess, James Cameron now, like, I think something similar with him and Nolan is that, like, they're part of that few tier of directors where they're the star. Because even Killian Murphy, like all the praise Nolan has for him, calling him one of the best actors of our generation, all the praise people who have seen him throughout his career have for him as just a terrific actor. Like, he's not your prototypical lead man in this massively budget, uh, even though he has had large starring roles in Nolan movies before. But, like, I think that helps, like, that he vow- like, Nolan ov- obviously vouches for him and put him in- put him up, and I think he doesn't need a star, necessarily, to star, us. Uh, sell his movie like Nolan sells it himself that's right. the only thing you have to put up on the thing from director Jane, uh, Christopher Nolan and people are going to be like oh that looks good because otherwise I don't think like how many people would just be interested in an Oppenheimer movie if it was just made by generic director right like oh it's just probably going to be a lame ass biopic
1: well sometimes those movies hit <laughs> this and just seems like, like a don't. fucking
0: epic movie about like that's crazy to do that in this sense even though it is something that change the world with the atomic bomb it just just the level of like epicness that he was able to portray in that trailer albeit a very small trailer without giving not giving too much away was just pretty incredible
1: yeah and uh, it's in every movie with christopher nolan there's a race against the clock the man's been obsessed with time since his very first movie so he's going to incorporate that in there as well and obviously it's going to involve physics and nolan is also a fan of that And uh, I think our theater just People started weeping when Albert showed up That was an incredible cameo So I think that's what's going to be interesting about it Is he's going to be able to build the tension Playing off the political climate of the time Obviously it's A very volatile time in the world and everyone's racing to create this incredible weapon there's a desperation there there's immense pressure there's an uncertainty of if the other side makes this weapon what's going to happen we need to make it before they do so i think that there is a lot of excitement and drama there for him to deal with and he's one of the best directors working today you know he's like you said he's pretty much an established a-lister so i I expect this to be i mean he's on an incredible run of movies and now some of them are a bit you know more divisive than others but his track record recently has been pretty great so uh, this is going to be a story that it's obviously a story that he wants to tell and like you said uh, who knows if this movie is even being made if it's not Christopher Nolan as the driving force so I'm excited for it and like I said the Killian Murphy he is underrated yeah and he's done a good job of picking good roles over the years not always the leading man he's the leading man in Peaky Blinders people love him in fucking Peaky Blinders dude so uh, I think he does he's obviously not Leonardo DiCaprio but at this point he's recognizable yeah, to sure. audiences and uh, the ensemble cast is awesome like I said Josh Peck Jack Quaid is in there Matt Damon Robert Downey Jr. Emily Blunt uh, and we're missing a few there's quite a few of with Josh Peck that was wild he was <laughs> the memes with him have been funny when he's like Megan did you take the bomb <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to U.S. weekend box office. Uh, Two good trailers. Mission
0: Impossible, insane.
1: Yeah, that was awesome. That was uh, probably better than the trailers just to get that behind the scenes look. It's funny because normally you'd want to save that for the movie, but they're like, "This is so cool that we're just going to show you." What do they
0: have in store for the movie?
1: Right, because the ramp is going to be taken out. Right, there's no way. There's just a ramp in the middle of wherever they were.
0: No, I don't care. I
1: forgot where. Were they in like Afghanistan or something like that? Were they in the Middle East? I thought they were in the Middle East. Maybe he's just he's he's great. Yeah, someone said that. Uh, I actually think Tom they would work be well in a together. Cameron movie. Yeah, what? Someone said that a Nolan movie. Oh, that because of their just dedication to doing things practically, that Nolan will probably kill him and if it's awesome i think tom cruise would go out satisfied <laughs> smile on his face you can joke about that because he's a madman i mean you're he's literally putting a video together where they're like if you let go of the motorcycle too soon you will start to tumble and splatter on the side of this mountain and he's just like all right let's do it
0: <laughs> as long as that, i got as long as i got Anya on my side anything's possible
1: is that what is that it's, it's the, is that a drug
0: no it's the deity and avatar
1: Oh, Awa, Awa, and yeah, I was like, is that some Scientology thing they promote?
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I was trying to connect okay, there. Okay, yeah, right. Well, somebody
1: um, said that he's like the one cultist that it, you know, they tell you it's gonna it, work. Yeah. yeah, he's just <laughs> one problematic chick.
0: <laughs> Honestly, he's probably converted more people than.
1: Oh no! At this point, yeah, it's yeah. the long game. I read, I read a Wikipedia article. What do you say? I, I I read I read an article. <laughs> I double take whenever whenever I see the church in the city. Uh, U.S. weekend box office, no surprise. Number one, Avatar: The Way of Water, 134 million domestically worldwide. It's closing in at, closing in on 500 million. So we've all been waiting for this, anticipating what it would do. And the big question now is: Is this movie going to have similar legs to the first movie? And I think that. It won't. That's fucking Elizabeth Becky legs. Yeah, and Margot Robbie and the Barbie trailer legs, right? Just those legs legging. But Wakanda Forever underperformed.
0: Damn, girl, those legs legging.
1: <laughs> I think with Top Gun Maverick, because it was something new... That had legs. It did. Right, yeah, it kept showing up in the top five. It's amazing if you said in the beginning of the year which movie would make more, Avatar 2 or Top Gun Maverick, and it looks like Top Gun Maverick still might be the highest grossing movie of the year after it's all said and done. Obviously, this is going to carry into the next year, but I don't know. I guess that it would go between 1.5 and 1.8, so I I think I went a little bit higher than you. But I don't know. I I do think it's going to hit a billion.
0: Yeah, that's for sure.
1: Right. I mean, But I don't know. The first one was such a phenomenon. It it would literally be capturing lightning in a bottle again. I, I don't think it's going to reach 2 billion. That's the mark he said... It needs to hit in order to be profitable around there. I think he highballed that a bit, dude. But when you do look at this budget, they're saying the budget may have been five hundred million. Marketing, at the very least, is two hundred. Then you have to do—you have to factor in all the studio cuts. You have to factor in the theater cuts. You have to factor in the Cameron cut. I'm sure Sigourney got some points, maybe, Release maybe a the little Cameron bit. Cut. <laughs> um, so it does need to make a, a shit like Avengers Endgame. I'm pretty sure it was profitable profitable by like 600 million. Well, that's a and good, that made close to three billion. That's a good thing
0: about having like Jake Sully as your lead. What Sam? <laughs> yeah. Call him Jake. He's Jake. He's Jake you know, Sully. He's Jake Sully. It's like the Endgame was probably what 350 million, 400 million budget. How much is that is allocated to your actors? Right. So that's a cool thing about Cameron is like he can <laughs> he can like get that money and just use it strictly like uh, who do I have to pay Zoe Saldana Sigourney Weaver like they're not commanding Robert Downey Jr. money. Um, I don't know the numbers, but unless anyone has a percentage, I feel like that entire cast probably would equal
1: RGJ's salary. Right. But if I am Sam Worthington, it's the Denzel meme. I know how much money this movie is going to make. I know how much the last one made. I need I need something opening like, scene of three Jake Sully's been dead for five years
0: <laughs> and I have become the avatar
1: <laughs> or they get Chris Pratt to be Jake Sully Look, <laughs> like, it's that easy guy you are very dispensable
0: funny meme I did see it's so stupid and simple but those are the best ones it's like I'm Doug Avatar <laughs> and I need to start avataring
1: that's good stuff. Yeah. yeah, number two was Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, made $5 million at the domestic box office. Number three was Violent Night, the David Harbour Santa Claus movie, made $5 million. Uh, Strange World, one of the biggest flops of the year, made $2 million. And number five was The Menu, came back around to crack the top five. That's actually coming out on HBO Max in January, early January. So you mentioned that maybe that's a movie that's going to... Do better on streaming, get more eyeballs on it, get more people talking. And maybe it makes some uh, push at the awards for a screenplay nomination or maybe even acting for Ray Fines because he was really good in that. Black Panther Forever is closing in on 800 million. It's at 788 worldwide. And like I said, it's hard to call a movie that makes that much money a disappointment. It's going to make some sort of profit. But the first one made a shit ton. I think it was 1.5. So, this is almost half of that, and it looks like it's starting to wind down. Well,
0: it's very hard with sequels to match with their predecessor. It only happens, it happens very rarely, I mean, because usually sequels are based off of, like, something that, like, obviously did well, or people liked, um, but the ones that you see make more money are ones that gain popularity over time, like uh, like with Marvel. I feel like every other sequel made money than a lot of those original phase one movies because it just kept building off each other and the hype and everything was so interconnected usually for a lot of that that's not the case and I think we're gonna see it with Avatar um, I mean, we have we're gonna, it's happening now. With Black Panther, and I think, yeah, it's hard to be like, yeah, you are going to make eight hundred plus million, but compared to that first movie, it is a significant drop off.
1: And I do think that there is a case to be made that the absence of Chadwick Boseman did hurt this movie. Yeah, because if he's around, you can plaster his face everywhere, and everyone knows he's Black Panther. And there was going into this movie the question of who's going to be the next Black Panther. Right, and maybe- I don't know if that draws people to the theaters. I don't know if they were that desperate to. Find out
0: it would be like having an Iron Man movie coming out, but you don't know who Iron Man is, right and so like your marketing push is just a bunch of supporting Iron Man characters, and it's like oh well maybe it's I don't know maybe Happy. Pepper's the next yeah, Iron Man maybe Happy's the next one maybe you're, like you don't know, so Terrence you Howard you can't use um yeah Rhodey's there like so you don't know like oh it's an Iron Man movie but who's Iron Man. And for them, it's a Black Panther movie, but they didn't really really tell you who Black Panther was until like right up to the release. So it's hard to really market around that. Um, it felt like even with the title, I could see some people be confused like, Black Panther, Wakanda forever. Oh, it's, it's Black Panther, but it's like a Wakanda movie. Like there's no figurehead to be. like there's no like who's the Captain America? Right. So like, oh, maybe it just takes place within that, that universe, but there's no Black Panther. So maybe I'm not as interested or whatnot. Um, yeah, I don't know why, but I think quality wise, it's up there with the, with the first one. But in, now with Avatar, I feel like the box office share, it's not really going to keep building towards a billion. So,
1: Yeah, and it's going to be fun to track uh, what Avatar does over the next few weeks. And that's something we I mean, will be got, doing.
0: It's got a sick window. Like, what's coming out?
1: I know. Yeah, it does. And it's the same thing as the first movie, right? Came out in December. Megan on January 6th? Well, hold on now. There's a lot of Megan hype on the internet.
0: Yeah. Is there? She scares me.
1: <laughs> I'm going to use the bathroom before I fan got a pee so bad. Go ahead. Okay. All right, before we move on to fan questions, I want to give a quick shout out to Smile Brilliant, uh, one of our sponsors, one of our best sponsors, just in time for the holiday season. Now, if you're like me, you're probably confused by all the different variations of teeth whitening products on the market. Items like LED lights, whitening strips, charcoal, and whitening toothpaste might sound good in theory, but they don't fully get the job done like one of Smile Brilliant's custom fitted whitening trays. LED lights will accelerate the process, but they won't make your teeth whiter and could lead to more teeth sensitivity. Whitening strips totally neglect gum lines, crevices, and molars. They work, but your remaining stains will become more prominent. Charcoal is abrasive and wears down the tooth enamel while whitening toothpaste only works on surface stains. But with one of Smile Brilliant's custom-fitted whitening trays, you can freshen your smile without worrying about damaging your teeth or leaving behind any noticeable stains. Historically, whitening trays were only dispensed by dentists at a price of $300 to $1,000. But that all changed when Smile Brilliant came up with their innovative lab-direct process that is not only less expensive, but far more effective in achieving that picture-perfect smile we all crave. And right now, you can visit SmileBrilliant.com and take advantage of their special holiday sale, which is running throughout December. You can also use promo code nerdsoup 5 to save an extra 5% off all products, including their custom-fitted teeth whitening trays, or a custom-fitted nightguard if you're someone like me who grinds your teeth in their sleep. It truly does help. It's something I can't recommend enough. They also have a great selection of professional oral care products, such as electric toothbrushes, water flosser, dental probiotics, and much more. So head on over to their website, and remember, use nerdsoup 5 for an extra 5% off all products during this very special holiday sale help your family and friends get the teeth right all right let's move on to some fan questions you ever tried any of that smile brilliant stuff
0: no you don't give me any
1: okay well they haven't sent me anything but you know the promo codes you have to buy it yourself i'm not gonna give you it
0: no but it's good stuff teeth care is very important
1: that's what i just said i know okay
0: i'm just backing you up on that
1: okay this question here from angus monty What's Two up, out Angus?
0: of three podcasters agree teeth care is important.
1: <laughs> Who's the third?
0: I don't know. It's always like that fifth dentist. It's like four out of five dentists agree that you should use this Listerine. <laughs> I want to hear what the fifth guy. Yeah, has I need to, to, say. to search
1: that guy out. Yeah. Uh this question here from Angus: Cast Duncan Egg in the live-action Duncan Egg series. Sam Worthington.
0: <laughs> and, okay. Um,
1: Spider. Actually, not bad.
0: Who is a who is a big boy?
1: Dave Bautista. He in my mind. The Rock and John, John Cena. Basically all your Kratos and um yeah, the Kratos and Atreus fantastic. Yeah,
0: they can work for Dunkin' Egg.
1: No, you have to go unknown. I think you do a big casting call. I think for characters like that, you need a big English man. Yeah. And you need a little English bald boy.
0: Uh what's uh, his name? Tyson Fury and um
1: Hobbs. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, why not? Hossbillow well is a uh, Targaryen prince. Future king. Uh, this question here from J. Tashby. What do you guys think about The Rock saying he has thick skin regarding Black Adam getting the axe? Well, we did open with that. Yeah, I just actually read the full thing. Like I said initially, he does handle failures well for someone who's so obsessed with being a perceived winner. And this is... A failure uh and yeah his message was very politically correct and he said all the right things he doesn't seem like one to burn bridges with people who are in positions of power in hollywood unless it's vin diesel
0: or warner but i mean going behind warner brothers back and the cavill stuff if that's all true i mean that's
1: right maybe he burned a bridge and he's trying to mend it here Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point so he'll be fine it's a funny chapter i think in modern film history or would you One put, that
0: what category would you put that in?
1: For, like, Jeopardy? Yeah, like film history. Crimes committed by The Rock? Oh. <laughs> I don't think you could tell the story of film history without it. No, actually, you probably can, but... Not without The Rock. Now we've got a little subchapter, I feel like. No, sure, yeah. He's... This is part of... Oddly fits his weird legacy in Hollywood. Where, yeah, he is the biggest star in the world, but hasn't made a good movie. <laughs> I mean, some of them are good. He should be an avatar. Uh, no, we shouldn't. This question here from Marie Sia. What's the worst gift you've received for Christmas or for Hanukkah? Really nothing that ever comes to mind. I always used to tell the story of, I had a friend who his grandma gave him a $10 Models gift card for Christmas. True story. It sucks. And he just, you know, there's nothing you can do you with that. You suck it up. No, of course you have to accept it. You know, maybe grandma's having a tough time financially.
0: I've always gotten like, obviously you get like multiple things, but like even the worst thing is something I could still, it's either like a throwaway, like just like a little throw in, which I can be like, okay, I don't know what the fuck this is, but I got, uh, I got a PSP. So I don't care about the other little thing. Right. Um, yeah. That happens. But like a so like this is your soul present and it was ended up being disappointed. No, I don't mind. I mean, even if it's like the thought that counts, if it is a genuine, like, oh, I got you this, like maybe it's not the most extravagant thing, but yeah, you like this. So here you go. That's nice. But if it's just like, what is this? And I don't, you don't know me. Then that's kind of shitty.
1: Right. Yeah. Where it's something that's just so off where it's like, man, you should know me better yeah like uh i think with kids i was lucky my parents never fucked this up but sometimes they'll ask oh for 2k 20 and then it's wwe 2k 20 and it's like mom i didn't want the wwe i wanted basketball 2k so i've never had that happen to me i mean like you said i've gotten gifts that are not even underwhelming but they're just sort of gifts that i know i'm never going to use them but it's like thank you for the gift Mm -hmm. um Although sometimes it's like uh, I don't need anything expensive but you put a little creativity in it. Next time just don't give me anything. Yeah. You then know, like, give me a funny shirt. Socks. What the fuck with a pair of socks. Uh, this question here from Ryder. Is Angelo Badalamenti's Twin Peaks score underrated? It is the goat of network TV. Question mark? Is it the goat of network TV? Yeah, I mean, because Twin Peaks was made like a movie at the time where they actually (laughs) had a film composer or a legit composer who has worked with Lynch on so many of his movies make the score. So it's unlike anything on network TV. I'm trying to for network television. What are the scores that really stand out? I guess by default it would be Twin Peaks, but maybe the Law and Order theme. That's kind of fresh. I don't know who cooked that up, John Williams.
0: I guess the Seinfeld theme would count,
1: right? But I do think he is underrated in that sense because he he doesn't get looped in with some of the premier composers of his generation. And he and scored I,
0: many films too. I mean, right?
1: And I think with Lynch, like film film Twitter was obviously devastating. People on film Twitter know who Battaglia lamenti is, but and it's hard to become a household name as a composer these days. But Lynch is underrated himself. Once again, he's very w- well recognized if. You're a cinephile if you're in those circles, but he still gets underrated by the mainstream. So I think lamente by association is underrated as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've talked about how much I love like just Laura Palmer's theme, but everything else, like the the uh, intro or the Twin Peaks theme, like everything in that show, even like uh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I and mean, we talked about Twin Peaks before, just like the different ways that like or the different, like, tones and things it's trying to convey, and I think the score always complemented those moments beautifully, whether it be uh, a weird surreal moment or just a campy light moment. I think it always adjusts and fit the scene very well. So not even just on the basis of, like, oh, this is a very good piece of music, but also fitting into what's going on on screen. Uh, He was always able to adapt and complement it wonderfully
1: yeah my cousin called him a master of emotion and I think that's a pretty good way to describe his scores Mm -hmm. so and like I said because Lynch is underrated he's underrated too
0: whole crew underrated
1: uh this question here from underscore Connor Joseph underscore what was your favorite goal from the World Cup I'll tell you what man that Mbappe goal when he tied it up that was a ballsy ass fucking strike at the net just off the lob pass, ripped it right into the right corner. <laughs> I was, my, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, "There's no way that Argentina just blew another two-zero lead."
0: Nah, he's good, man. Is he? Can he be the goat? When you look at his <laughs> Like trajectory, I want a new goat already.
1: It's going to either be Mbappe, the two best candidates are Mbappe, best player in the world right now, and Holland on Man City. When you look at the production that Messi and Ronaldo were doing, it truly is unprecedented. They stand alone. And Messi ninety one goals in a season, that's just hard to do. And yeah. Bobby has in, in terms of international play, he's he's kept pace with Messi. He's explosive, man. He's so fast, dude. Somebody was like, I just need him to run 140.
0: It's crazy that like Argentina is able to win, like even when their best player, like all he does is
1: take penalties and walk. <laughs> that's a good troll. Yeah, it is. You found a bridge yet to live under? Ask people some riddles. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, actually, well, Messi's goal versus Mexico, that was awesome too. Top of the box, ripped it. No, I mean... He's a magic man.
0: The one he had, it was an extra time, right? I mean,
1: that, that was just... They for, was just
0: right place, right time, but it was still like clutch goal. Yeah, yeah,
1: for him to have scored it and do it that way where it goes over the line, it kicks out. I mean, the uncertainty there, people didn't know if it was a goal or not.
0: I love the Frenchman being too thick for the offsides.
1: That was pretty... Yeah, that's all it takes. Right? Maybe those squats next time you <laughs> you don't do legs. But the one goal in World Cup history that I always remember as one of the best ever was in the group stage in 2014 uh, when Robin, Robin Van Persie had a beautiful header. That was in the World Cup? Yeah, that was the World Cup. Because I remember the, they were wearing the, the orange kits. He used to be my boy because everyone in college
0: likes soccer, so I'm like, i got to pick a team. And I picked Arsenal, and I liked Robin Van Persie. Then he went to Man U, and I'm like,
1: I'm he not going to watch anymore. He was good for a few anymore. years on man, <laughs> Well, uh, Robin, I used to love Robin on the Netherlands. He used to play for Bayern Munich. He was a striker, ball guy. But he was super fast, super skilled. So I, I love that Netherlands team in 2014. Um, This question here from R. Cassidy. I want to work for you. How do I do that? I'll clean the floors. I'll make you lunch. Just let me in. That's uh, so um, You can take Teddy's spot.
0: What kind of lunch? <laughs> <laughs> Send me your, your lunch credentials and we'll talk.
1: Yeah, p- put together a menu.
0: I uh, can't edit, not good on socials, can't really talk in the mic. Makes a mean turkey club. You're hired.
1: <laughs> this question here is from Gabs is Gabs. What was your least favorite movie or oh, wh- wh- show? Who's Gabs? Gabs is Gabs. Oh, okay. Least favorite movie or show this year. I was looking at my uh lowest ranked I think it's Morbius would be my lowest ranked movie of the year.
0: I didn't see Morbius.
1: Yeah, I gave it half a star. And uh, uh, oh. Morbius, Jurassic World, Sharp Stick. Remember that? Lena Dunna.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Black
1: Adam, uh, Secrets of Dumbledore.
0: What did I just watch? That was
1: terrible. Deep Water.
0: Oh, the Lindsay Lohan Christmas movie.
1: Well, I loved that, didn't give it a rating. I thought it was the funniest movie I've watched all year because it was one of those so bad that it's good but there
0: was a moment in that movie that uh, genuinely made me die laughing it's
1: I like, was laughing throughout the whole thing
0: when they're arguing it's like well you can't even remember so mean I just started fucking <laughs> I lost it
1: <laughs> oh um, no, he said something mean now So, but that movie, yeah, it stunk though. Well, when Christmas morning came around and he got a book for the grandma and the camera pants to her and she goes, I love my book. (laughs) It's like, this is the worst written movie ever. It's like, what do we write here? Uh, Grandma, he got grandma a gift. He's a good son-in-law. I love my book. (laughs) It is funny
0: that his dead wife's mom is still sticking around and helping him. Well,
1: that happens sometimes. Bang. (laughs) Oh she's uh, wh- where's she gonna go? you know she's good <laughs> so. now I'm stuck with you. you get to run the cozy hotel mm. you got your granddaughter there she's a good kid no, that was uh genuinely one of the worst movies ever, and that's why it was so entertaining and no, everyone it's bad is- it's
0: good it's, one- <laughs> it's it's perfectly into that there's
1: not a single actor in that movie that wants to be there <laughs> uh but and for shows, I don't waste my I- I- I'm not trying to be pretentious, but I truly I don't have time to watch something that's possibly going to be mediocre. So there's got to be a...
0: Yeah, it's either you hear something's good or like something just interests you, and it usually ends up being pretty good.
1: Yeah, it's not like with movies where a movie will come out, it gets panned, and I'm like, I just want to watch it to be part of the conversation.
0: It's such an investment. I don't want to watch eight hours of a bad show. Right,
1: yeah. It's too much. Uh, this question here from Anthony: One, one, two, two. Do you think the newest Batman will ever encounter Superman or Black Adam? Well, Black Adam, definitely not. No, that's it, that's never right. happening. If I had to put like a number on it, I would say there's a fifteen percent chance Robert Pattinson meets up with a Superman. Fifteen? Uh, yeah.
0: I don't know. Uh, maybe like after the Gotham verse is like fully established and they did everything they wanted to do with that. It's tough. I, I got to see the world, James Gunn. Builds first to see if that even fits. Because if it's all piece- And he make-
1: refuted the report that he wanted to bring Pattinson's Batman into his larger DC cinematic universe. Yeah, which but is things, interesting. things
0: change. Yeah. Like if it's a peacemaker vibe, I don't see that Batman going mm-hmm. anywhere near.
1: Right. Tone does ma- matter. As much as we get on Marvel's case for not switching it up, everything feels like it's taking place within the MCU. Right. And I, I think there is a way to strike a tone where Batman stories can be a little bit darker. And you can change that up for a Superman story. And there's a potential for crossover there. And it can be funny. Well, they do We're... it in animation so well. Yeah, and they do it in the comics as well. But I think that with the Snyderverse, I mean, Snyderverse had so many problems. But I Batman's it... not supposed to be the Iron Man. Batman is supposed to be reluctant. Well, weird, He's the last one to join the team.
0: Like, in an animation, it's something that, like, you can watch Batman... What's one? Um, Hush, right? That's rude. <laughs> And it's very much that what it is. Like you're not going into that movie being like, well, I've watched every other bat." Like it just very much works on its own. And that's that specific movie. And you have knowledge of other Batman projects and movies and animated comics and s- things of that nature. But you're not going in expecting that to be the same Batman that you watch when it's bat the bat- uh, Batman enter the Red Hood or something into the Red Hood or something like that. It's still Batman, but it operates in its own little thing. And then when you watch a Justice League movie, it's like, yeah, it's still Batman, but it's like not any Batman you've seen before. It's just this version of Batman in this Justice League movie. And I think with voice acting and like the way you draw the character can always just be the same. You can adjust it to fit the vibe. Where in live action, I don't think you really have the luxury of doing that because it would just confuse people.
1: Yeah. This question here from Andy. My buddy Eric finally graduated college as a Christmas gift. Can you shout him out? What up, Eric? Congratulations. Getting that education. Hope you find a job.
0: This is this the same buddy Eric that uh, the Joker happened to?
1: <laughs> I think it might be. <laughs> happened to my buddy once. Oh, uh, this question here from N Watkins 15. Do you guys think God of War was robbed for game of the year? I don't know. What do you think, Aaron? <laughs> Between Elden Ring and God of the God of War, who who were you leaning towards? I like them. Will be the show twenty two. I don't think that was nominated. No, it was Not actually of you, one of well the they worst do versions. Best of... ongoing game. I don't think it was nominated.
0: No, yeah, it was one of the worst
1: versions of that game in the past few years. But the wow, the only
0: game I've really played.
1: Look at that. I liked it. You should crack open the old God of War. A lot of great the Norse stuff is fantastic. It makes you think. Man, Thor sucks. I want to
0: say I don't have time.
1: But no, I, you have time.
0: I I don't do anything.
1: Yeah. All the time in the world, baby.
0: You know, you know that point after dinner? Uh, up until bed?
1: Yeah, it sucks. It's, a, it's an annoying window. It really is. Because it feels like the what people, next day's already started. What do people do? I try to watch a movie. It's tough. I didn't play Elden Ring, but just based on what everybody told me, it was destined to win and Riding Rock got a, a few awards I know I think his name is Chris Judge the guy who voices Kratos he won for best performance I haven't finished Riding Rock but where I'm at his performance so far has been really good even better than the last game so it's been dude you really should play it because the lore the storytelling it's fun to play and there's also a great story it's kind of the Best of both worlds, and like I said, it's it does Norse mythology so well. uh this question here from Large Underscore Sprite: What's your anime of the year? I can probably guess what it is for you. Yeah, Spy Family. Yep, you should probably. Spy Family is actually so funny, dude. Very wholesome, cute. Uh, it's got a lot of satirical elements to it as well, winking and nodding, making fun of anime. I'm still not caught up on. Well, I'm I'm behind now. My Hero, like three episodes.
0: Now, last episode was good. Last well, two have been pretty good. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the only one I've watched. Was Attack on Titan this year? No, right? No. I don't, Was it? No. Didn't it go into this year? I don't know. But yeah, My Hero is my favorite. So
1: Yeah, I would say Chainsaw Man. Chainsaw Man's got to be number one for me this year. So good.
0: Kind of uh, update. I can, f- you know, if I finish that episode one of Demon Slayer.
1: <laughs> this question here, Demon Slayer season two is still the best thing I've watched all year. Video game, movie, show. Incredible
0: yeah I gotta I gotta get back
1: on that the hype that that show builds for fights and then delivers it's just immaculate Uh, last question here from Brendan Turner we'll end on a Game of Thrones question what was your favorite armor set from Game of Thrones or House of the Dragon or just favorite costume dude Uh you know what I love I love the Daenerys season 5 dress the blue dress yeah that's one of my favorite costumes um, they yeah. always did her dresses so well.
0: Well, I think Rhaegar and Robert, concept art or fan yeah. art, always looks fucking sick with the
1: helmets. Damon's armor in House of the Dragon was definitely a standout.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, let's... <laughs> Why are you so anti Damon? <laughs> the helmet. I know, but like
0: Rhaegar, like... That doesn't exist. I know, but it looks so much better. It does. Um, Is it practical? I mean, I don't know. Jon's armor always sucks. Yeah, kind of. Rob has a nice fit with the fur coat and the brown.
1: Daenerys always got the best costumes.
0: I hope we have, like, Renira's like, fan art of her armored up.
1: Oh, that was cool. Yeah. I hope we got some like and that. And the way they cut her hair. <laughs> yeah. Um, that shit was fresh.
0: I don't know. What's a good... I feel like the white cloaks are always pretty, pretty, pretty dope.
1: Yeah, I like the way Oberon dressed. Because all the characters did really have their own individual style.
0: Sansa at the end looks sick When she's queen of uh, Queen of Winterfell
1: yeah You know what I love too uh, The all black fit for Sansa Yeah I think it's the all black Okay I was talking season 5 when she comes down those stairs Remember when Littlefinger Just goes cartoon doll guys Yeah
0: (laughs) What a sick man he was
1: (laughs) Nash just texted me last night about not accepting my invite In call of duty and then he was playing with one of our friends who's broke and doesn't have the real game. <laughs> Guess that's Pete. Oh,
0: you just have Warzone?
1: Yeah, because I think Warzone's free. Did
0: you guys play Call of Duty together?
1: Yeah. Why do you ever ask me to play? Because you don't play. Hmm. Buy it. I have it. Well, I have Warzone. I don't play Warzone.
0: I did want to get into Fortnite. Oh, God. It's a
1: little little late. I know, it's it's too late. Who the hell are you going to play with? None of us play Fortnite.
0: I I don't know, but I always see, like, the cool characters. Like, you could play with Duckman Yeah, that
1: shit is funny. You can play with anyone. You can play with, like, uh, Shea Guevara. No. Two Shea Guevara references in one podcast. All right, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, We will be back next week. Can I play as Jake Sully? Probably not maybe in the future he doesn't have the cultural impact thank you for listening make sure you like share subscribe share this video follow us on social media do all that good stuff and happy holidays right look at this got the holidays rolling around Jake Sully emotes on Fortnite yeah what the hell would he even do the gritty the gritty I would love to see well people were joking that the one guy in Avatar had Oakley's on (laughs) one of the jarheads that takes on the Avatar (laughs) pie and one of them had a high top fade the sea people, <laughs> <laughs> so yo, why is this avatar got a high top eight? <laughs> James Cameron's a madman,
0: yeah. It's our last podcast for Christmas, huh?
1: Yeah, see those sleigh bells jingling, ring, ting, tingling, too. Go
0: see what was it,
1: Babylon's the Christmas releases here, yeah. It's a the Christmas whale? movie. yeah. Some. <laughs> Some movies if you're feeling down right want to get get into the holiday spirit Babylon's supposed to stink right wow that was probably our best
0: review yet hey guys Aaron the nerd suit monkey here with a brief shameless plug before we end the video do you ever feel like you don't have an adequate amount of nerd soup in your life? Like you're going to bed hungry and yearning for the nonsensical yet entertaining nutrients our podcasts provide? Well, we've come up with the perfect solution, the Nerd Soup Fan Question Podcast, exclusively available to our Patreon supporters. You can sign up now by visiting patreon.com nerdsoup, and for the price of only $1 per month, you'll receive exclusive access to our weekly podcast, where we answer your questions that don't make it to the main show. And while you're there, you can check out the other rewards we offer to our patrons, like stick stickers, mugs, t-shirts, behind-the-scenes footage, and appearing in the credits at the end of our videos. And that's exactly what we're gonna do right now. Roll the names of the nerds who make NerdSoup possible, the reason why the crypto crash didn't send our lives spiraling down a black hole of no return. Alright, I'll stop talking so you can listen to this jazzy-ass music while checking if Bo spelt your name wrong in the credits.